guys, it's me, Emma's Thing, and this is my podcast, That's What He Said. With over 12 years of blogging, writing, posting, and sharing under my belt, I've somehow grown a small audience who, for whatever reason, seem to really like me. This podcast is just another extension of my blog and will offer unimportant life updates, reviews on movies, books, shows, daily musings about life, in-passing commentary on current events, and of course, a lot of stories of my past, present, and future. Just try it out and see how you like it. That's what he said. Well, 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 hey guys, and welcome back to That's What He Said with me, Emma's Thing. I am in the closet earlier than usual today, very proud of myself. It has been a very, very busy Wednesday for me. And I kind of talked about this on my Instagram yesterday, but I had the epiphany that when I worked in corporate America, I loved short weeks and having holidays because obviously it's like, give me all the days off and less work. And I don't care that I have less time to do work. I'll figure it out. But as a self-employed person, I really don't like short weeks. Like, I don't know. I I don't really know why that is because I'm definitely like controlling the volume of my work. And the only pressure really that is being put on me is from myself to like get all these different things done. But anyway, with all that said, we had a long weekend and I hope everyone had a great time and spent it exactly how they wanted to. Um, We did a lot of relaxing. There were definitely activities weaved in, but for the most part, especially during the days, we just really didn't do much. It was a lot of, you know, um, Zach working on the backyard and I got a lot of reading done, which was amazing. I love that. I feel like I never have time to do that. So we really leaned into not having a plan and also not being invited to a lake house. And, you know, just to speak on that quickly, I think especially living in Texas, it's like everyone and their fucking mom either has a lake house themselves, like a family lake house, or they have access to one, or or they have at least like one friend who has a lake house. So there is always an invite on the table. And no matter what, over the course of my life of living in Texas, I have never had one friend or even dated a guy that had lake house access. So like every Memorial Day and every July 4th weekend, the big thing here, it seems that way, is that everyone goes to the lake. And I never go. I literally freaking sit at home and rot and melt in the heat and see everyone and their fucking mom posting about being on whatever lake in the Texas area. And it's it's very annoying and it's a little bit triggering. And I guess all I can really hope for is that someone in my direct group of friends or either myself and Zach or my sister and her wife come across a lake house, come come into ownership of a lake house somewhere down the line because I'm getting really sick and tired of not being on the lake on super hot weekends in Texas. 
Anyway, so this episode is an advice extravaganza. So I have a collection of advice questions that have been sent to my That's What E Said podcast email address, which I started a few months ago. And with every like with everything, I just I'm always doing too much. I'm always doing the most and can't seem to figure out a good uh, schedule for things or pattern or what I want to use things for. So I created this email address because I thought that it would be fun to, you know, answer advice questions sent in by listeners and readers from time to time. Um, And at first I got literally like one advice question. And then um, at like the end of May, I must have put something out um, on Instagram that was like, guys, I want to answer advice questions, but no one is sending them in. And I don't think that it's me. I mean, people ask me for advice all the time in my DMs. I think it's just like the act of having to write it out and send it in an email. Like, it's just a lot of work, maybe. I don't know. But anyway, I got a good chunk of them at the end of May. So I am answering them late. And I'm sure that the people who wrote them no longer need the answers, or maybe they do. But I thought that it would be fun to answer half of those questions on today's episode and then answer the second half of the questions that I have and maybe even some new ones that I get um, next week. So this episode is, you know, I'm going to go through what I've been doing, reading, watching, listening to, and then we're going to end on um, about three to four advice questions. And I am excited to share my thoughts. And let's just dive in to what have you even been doing? So last week, obviously, uh, the big exciting event was not only Zach's 40th birthday, but also that Zach was on the podcast. And I'm still not over that he agreed to sit down with me. And if you listen to it, you understand that's because we just come from two completely opposite ends of the spectrum when it comes to being public and when it comes to being private. So the fact that he was willing to sit here with me and talk and basically be interviewed um, was just a really big deal. And also, I love how he was like, I don't know who would want to listen to this because um, I've had a thousand listens on that podcast in the week that it's been out, which is unheard of for my tiny ass podcast. Usually it takes like a month for me to reach a thousand listens on a single episode. So um, I'm just so glad that you guys seem to have really enjoyed it and it's getting some traction because obviously I had a really great time talking to him and, um, you know, giving him a platform to talk about himself a little bit more, even though he hates doing that. So Thursday evening after the podcast came out and all of that, I went to um, Shinsei with Merritt and our friend Laura. And Laura is the pastry chef who is making our wedding cake. I talked about that several episodes ago, Um, but she had been a follower of mine. And basically when she heard that the only type of wedding cake I would ever want would be a funfetti wedding cake, she reached out and was like, I could do that. And Zach and I met up with her and she brought us a sample of her like a homemade funfetti cake. And it was literally the most amazing 
cake I've ever had in my entire life. Um, so anyway, so the three of us went out and caught up. We heard about marriage trip. We heard about Laura's goings on. And it was fantastic. I mean, Shinsei is just such such a good sushi restaurant. It never disappoints. So then on Friday, I don't remember necessarily what I did during the day. I mean, obviously worked, but I also just remember feeling like it felt like a very corporate America Friday before um, a long holiday weekend. And typically, like, when you know, when I worked a regular job like that, the Friday before um, a long weekend, they would, you know, let you leave early. And there was just like this vibe in the office that no one is actually staying here until, you know, six o'clock. Um, and then also summer Fridays. And all I wanted to do on Friday was go to the FOE, which is a public pool here in Dallas, um, with a friend and drink and tan and hang out. Like it just felt like such summer Friday. And um, I actually had to do a lot of work, and which is great. That's really good. I need to make money. Um, but I just was so not, so not in the mood. Like, I was texting Zach, like, hey, I just think that maybe you should just, like, say fuck it and come home for the day because uh, I want to start the weekend. So that did not happen. Um, and then Friday night, we took it very, very easy. I... Um, I've been diving into the Define Dishes newest cookbook called The Comfortable Kitchen. Um, and I had been plotting to make this her chicken pot pie recipe all week. And Friday seems like a good time for that. So we invited Whitney over to partake and I made the chicken pot pie and it was so good. And it was like actually really easy. I get very easily intimidated by recipes that deal with dough because I just know how um, particular and very touchy dough can be. Like if one thing is off, the dough isn't right. And, you know, maybe that's from all the cooking shows I've watched, definitely from Great British Bake Off and when it doesn't rise, how it's supposed to and all of that. Um, but this recipe was incredibly easy. And again, it's in her new cookbook and we all really enjoyed it. It was supposed to, I mean, yeah, it was supposed to serve four people and Zach literally ate half of it and Whitney and I each had a serving. So it was perfect. Then Saturday, Saturday was a very just whatever day for Zach and I. Again, like we didn't have one solid plan for the entire weekend, like no obligation. So we were kind of just like aimless for a little bit on Saturday, but eventually, so we went like we went to Home Depot, which we do every single weekend because Zach is still working on getting the backyard how he wants it and building our pergola over the back deck. And so we go to Home Depot almost every weekend. And, you know, I just, I go just to hang out with him and, uh, have that time together so after we had done all that and he started like going to work in the backyard and doing pergola things I read I read my book for most of the day just like off and on in spurts and it was really lovely because like I was saying at the beginning of the episode I just feel like I don't get that kind of concentrated time 
to do that. Like I'm just go, go, go during the week. And then on weekends, we usually have, you know, all these little things that we want to get done or do. So it was really nice to lean into that. And um, we didn't have a dinner plan for Saturday, but I wanted to go somewhere like I wanted to go somewhere good and but not like over the top fancy or anything like that. So I don't even remember like why I started looking at seafood places because we just came back from that week and a half trip on the southeast coast. We had so much seafood. And I said that I was ruined for seafood because of having like the freshest everything in, you know, in Georgia and Florida and South Carolina. But I guess I still hadn't gotten my fill. So I was Googling around looking for like the best seafood in Dallas and I saw Montlake cut. And I was like, oh, my God, I completely forgot about this restaurant. When I first started at one of my jobs years ago, it was right by this restaurant. And I went like a handful of times with coworkers for happy hour and just the whole vibe in there. Like it's very um, it just it feels like you are on the coast, but not in a corny, kitschy way at all. I I just the lighting is really good and the decor is perfectly uh, appropriate, not over the top. And I just remember the drinks were always delicious and they had really good fries and like dipping sauces. And so I was like, oh my God, I'm just going to grab a reservation here because I asked Zach and he had never been. And I was like, oh shit, he's going to love this place. So we went to Montlake Cut and that is spelled M-O-N-T Lake and then the word cut. And it was so fabulous. Like I had never had actual dinner there, just happy hour. And it is the freshest seafood that we've had in Dallas, Uh, like hands down, no competition. And we sat at the bar, which is our favorite thing to do. And the bartender, his name was Andrew, and he'd been working there for five years. And he just was like so on top of it, very charismatic, very knowledgeable and just knew just knew his shit and we got such an amazing meal like as soon as we sat down we both were starving so we got two dirty martinis with blue cheese olives mine was extra dirty because that's how I like it and we got an order of the fries which were just as good as I remember and then we split a wedge salad which you guys I've just very very recently come around on blue cheese like that is something that happened probably within the last year And I definitely think it has to do with Zach because he really loves blue cheese. But I always was just so fucking disgusted by it. Like, I don't want it within 10 feet of me. And I can't remember where we were, but Zach got a wedge salad and I never tried one before. Like, I had never had a perfect bite of a wedge salad with like the the iceberg and the bacon and the onion and the blue cheese dress, like none of that. And... I took a bite of his salad wherever we were that time and just was like, holy shit, what have I been missing out on all these years? Like, this is so good. So now I'm like newly obsessed with wedge salad. So we split the wedge salad. It was so crisp and fresh and perfect. And then for dinner, they have different catches of fish every single day and they prepare them 
in like six different ways. And so he went down the list with us of like what was available and how it was prepared. And truly every dish sounded better than the last. Um, But we ended up getting I got a like a grilled swordfish and it was on top of like jalapeno cheddar grits. It was absolutely phenomenal. And then um, Zach got um, like a panko crusted um, like Baja flounder or something, I want to say. I don't know. Both were just incredible. And the whole meal was just like grade A, top to bottom. And the bartender said something that I've never thought about before, but it just made so much sense. He was like, never trust a seafood place that doesn't run out of their fish. Like, because I think I got the last swordfish and he was like, we run out every day of everything. And that's how you know like obviously not only that it's really good but it's also super fresh like we don't hold on to things for more than a day usually because they just sell so quickly and I was like that is wow that is a great point and I will always remember that going forward um we also each got a glass of a glass and a half of white wine um during dinner so when we got home I don't know why but we were both feeling like really really tipsy like really good probably like more tipsy than I would normally expect to feel after like one martini and a glass and a half of wine but I don't know I mean I feel like it has something to do with age and I mean I guess like we ate pretty light as well at dinner but anyway we got home and this has been happening more often lately and it honest to god makes my life we had a dance party just the two of us like we just keep getting in these moods where we have like the perfect amount to drink and come home and start basically like playing each other our favorite songs on like the speakers and just really let loose and we took so much video footage of each other because we were having such a great time and laughing really hard um, you guys probably caught the few pieces of video that I pieced together and shared on um, our Instagram reel um, on Sunday. It was just a fucking blast. And I love those moments more than anything. Like it feels very it feels very like put on like a rom-com cliche moment. And that's probably why I love it so much, because I'm like, I can't believe this is real life and this isn't like something scripted or planned that this just happens it's really special and I will always cherish those nights so then on Sunday we were a little hungover because oh we did also open a a bottle of wine once we got home on Saturday night and it was so delicious it's oh my god it was a white wine and it was very peach forward and it was a little too drinkable which is why on Saturday, we were a little bit, or I'm sorry, on Sunday, we were a little bit hungover, but I still managed to do my couch to 5k, my, my last couch to 5k run for the week on Sunday. I was very proud of that. And then I filled up our extra large um, dog pool. Like Merritt actually, she talked about this on her uh, podcast episode this week. 
And she has the same pool. So I got this pool. No, I got this pool in a summer of 2020, actually, because my sister had it. And I was like, what the fuck is that? And it comes in a, in like several different sizes, but, um, the extra large size is perfect. If you, you as a human are planning to get in it, um, which that is why we bought it. So it's really, really awesome. Um, and it's a foldable pool. It's not inflatable, which kind of make, makes the whole process a lot easier and like more streamlined. And it also has, um, it has like a built-in uh, like water plug on it. So it's incredibly easy to drain. So it's just like very hassle-free for the most part. Um, so we have had that for a couple of summers and I filled that up and got in it to like keep Zach company in the backyard on Sunday while he continued work on the pergola, which is looking so amazing. Like oh my God, it's just, it's getting there. It is getting there. And he has some of like the roof um, done and I just cannot wait. I mean, I obviously I can't wait for it not to be a hundred fucking degrees every day in Dallas. I don't know when that's going to end, but I'm excited for when it does. And so we can sit under that pergola comfortably and like have morning coffee and be cute. So I kept him company while I read my book again on Sunday. And then very last minute on Sunday, Whitney texted me and was like, do you guys want to try and go see Elvis today? And so we made this super last minute plan. Like she, we were like texting at 3.30 and we bought tickets to go see a 4.30 show and then go to dinner afterward and I will give you guys my review on Elvis and part two coming up about what I've been watching and reading and all of that um so we saw the movie and then we went to Hudson House for dinner and it was another freaking fantastic meal I mean Hudson House rarely misses and it was just a super fun dinner obviously because we were with Whitney and Inc and a really delicious dinner and we had a great time and and then we came home and then monday of course was the 4th of july and we got invited to go over to um jen's house and jen is one half of the ascot and heart ladies and i talked about them on an episode a while ago too um and you know, like I've always shopped Ascot and Heart, but in recent years, I've actually written stuff for them off and on. And Jen and I are becoming buddies, which just like makes my life because she is just like one of the coolest, warmest humans you will ever meet. It's like you don't meet people like her often. It's very, very rare to meet someone where you like instantly feel comfortable and like you've known her forever. So we went over to um, her house. She lives in Rowlett, which sounds really far away from Dallas proper, but it's only like 25 minutes. And she was having like a lot of the Ascot, Ascot and Hart crew over and, you know, just some of their like lifelong friends. And it was really great to meet all of these people and Everyone was the same as Jen. Like, everyone was just insanely warm, so friendly. We felt comfortable right away. And 
we had a really good time. We got there at like five and we didn't leave until 10 because um, they're like where they are is literally like the perfect um, position to be in for the fireworks in in their neighborhood. And we literally all gathered on the front lawn at like 930 and uh, watched the fireworks show from like 945 until 10. And it was an amazing amazing fireworks show it was just so lovely and there were like tons of kids at the pool that day and stuff too and so it was just really cute to be around and see them get so excited about fireworks and at one point I like leaned over to Zach and I was like I just wish that we could have met like five years earlier so like we had kiddos right now to like be here and like add to the pile of kids here but you know that's just not how it worked out and that's okay and then Tuesday yesterday finally the birthday surprise that I have been plotting for Zach for like going on maybe two months finally happened I got a private chef to come to the house and cook us a five-course meal. And this was supposed to be a big surprise on his actual birthday night. But unfortunately, the chef got sick with COVID. And even though he was definitely like out of the woods at that point, he still was testing positive and he just didn't feel good about it. And obviously, I I did not want to, you know, didn't want to put anyone in a, a sticky situation with that. So we waited it out and we did it a week late. Um, so Zach already knew that it was going to happen and he knew that my parents are going to be there, but he didn't know that his best friend and best man was going to come into town for it. And his his best friend, he has like property in Georgia, but he also has um, like a loft here in Dallas. So he kind of splits his time. So it's like not a big thing for him to come into town and he has a his place to stay at and all of that. Um, but he had been fibbing to Zach and was like, yeah, I'm going to come in town next weekend and whatever. And um, so Zach did not expect to see him at the house yesterday. And so that was a really lovely surprise. And it was an amazing evening. So the chef's name is Justin Box. And actually, Laura, who is doing our wedding cake, I put something out on Instagram a long time ago asking for private chefs. And Laura had suggested him. And I was like, well, I've tasted your cake. And I know how knowledgeable you are about the industry here in Dallas. So I'm going to trust your recommendation. And so that's how I found him. And he was incredible, worth every penny, like the five courses. Oh, my God. Like, I can't even properly describe them because um, I wasn't like taking notes or anything, but it was all so good. Like we had this appetizer that was basically like a salmon spread on a grilled piece of like circular sourdough. And it had like pickled mustard seed on top and like micro basil and stuff like that and then we had the the best dish was his corn soup it was like I wish that I could bottle it up and send one to every listener so you could try it because it was like nothing 
any of us had ever tasted before, all the flavor elements together. So it was like this pureed corn soup. And then he made um, from scratch, he made lemon marshmallows and then, um, you know, hit them with fire to broil like the top of them before serving. And then there was basil breadcrumbs on top of all that. And I just all the flavors together. It was absolutely incredible. Like I will dream about that soup. And he was saying something about how that soup has kind of become his signature dish. And I'm like, yeah, I can completely see why. Like you could sell that shit. Um, And then we had a salad dish with like bib lettuce and um, vanilla soaked strawberries and uh, other things. And then like the entree entree was um, tri-tip beef. And there was like a fried spicy aioli with it. Oh my God. It was a lot. It was a lot. Uh, Everything was very, very rich. So legitimately before the entree, Um, I snuck away to the bedroom while everyone was talking and I came back out with my hair on top of my head and sweatpants on like I'd been wearing jeans and, you know, had like a headband in and stuff like that. And I was like, you know what? Fuck this. It's me and Zach and his best friend and my parents like this is family and I'm not gonna be able to make it through the entree if I don't go put sweatpants on because I'm busting out. I'm bussing out of these jeans right now. And then for dessert, it was a sipping chocolate and it was kind of like Mexican chocolate, like it had some kick and spice to it. And he to serve with that, he made cinnamon meringue cookies that legitimately melt in your mouth. I mean, y'all, it was absolutely incredible. I will definitely link his information in the show notes if you have like a really a big event coming up like an anniversary or a, like a milestone birthday that you want to do something really out of the box and really special because um it was a hit for sure and that brings us to today and my big news of today is that i have a curated customized emma's thing box of goodies that you can order for yourself or to send to someone else. And I am doing this with this amazing company called Small Packages. It's female owned by these two wonderful women. And I've been working with them for several, several years. Like when they first started, I feel like um, Julie reached out to me. And they basically take all of the guesswork out of sending a really thoughtful present to someone when you don't want to send flowers and you don't want to send an edible arrangement it's they have a collection of these curated boxes that you know represent all different types of categories so if someone had a baby like you can send a new mom box or someone got a job promotion or obviously they have like birthday boxes and engagement boxes and stuff like that they also have small packages for the not so exciting stuff in life like if someone is suffering a loss or if they're sick or they're going through a breakup so it's just a fabulous company all of their all of their small packages are so thoughtful and really well curated and they also have different 
uh, tiers. So whether you want to spend like $35, $50, or $100, you get a little bit more with each package. So in my Emma's Thing box, it's very centered around summertime and being by the pool or on the beach or in your extra large dog pool like I was just talking about. And it includes my favorite book of all time called Why Girls Are Weird by Pamela Ribbon, a very adorable banana-shaped bookmark to use for that book and any other books that you're reading, a package of these incredible gummy bears that I actually tried from another small package that they had sent me a long time ago, and I was like, these need to be included in my box because they are the perfect pool snack and so yummy. There's also a bottle of sunscreen, of course, because you can't be outside without it. And it's SPF 30. It's by this brand called Kenfield. I used it over the weekend. It's fantastic. Also included in the box is a very fun pair of yellow heart-shaped sunglasses. I can't. They're just like really, really fun. They're a conversation starter for sure. There's also a carbonated grapefruit drink mixer that you can totally drink on its own. It's absolutely delicious. Or you can mix it with your favorite liquor base like vodka or tequila for a perfect poolside libation. And then the last thing is an amazing water bottle. It's just I've never seen anything like it before. And like I am so big on I have to have water by the pool or the beach. I mean, obviously, you have to stay hydrated, and it's an easy thing to kind of forget or be lazy about. But this water bottle, it's like this rectangle shape plastic water bottle with this really cool drinking spout. And it says chill all the way down it in, you know, rainbow lettering. It's really, really adorable. So the whole package together is $97 and you can use code Emma Love to get 10% off. But if you've used that code before, like if you've seen me do other things with small packages and you've used it, then it's not going to work because it's a one-time use thing. So anyway, that's the box. I'm so excited about it. I've never had something like this done for you before. I've never done a collaboration with like a customized Emma's thing, anything. So very, very exciting stuff. And if you want one, obviously, I will put the direct link in the show notes. But if you don't look at show notes or you just want to go there on your own, it's smallpackages.co.co. And if you go to shop and scroll down to the collections, it is the Emma's Thing box and you can place your order. Okay, so now let's jump into what I have been watching, reading and listening to in the past week. So we forgot to mention this last week because we got so caught up talking to each other about not television and things that we're watching. But Zach and I started the FX series that is available on Hulu called The Old Man with Jeff Bridges and Jonathan Lithgow. And it is amazing. It is so freaking good. My parents are the ones who told us that we should watch it. And they also told us that like for the first episode or so, you're kind of like, I'm super intrigued, but I don't know what's going on. Like, what is the story here? It, it, they don't like come right out with it, um, which is lovely. And it is It's like very everything is just kind of like vague and spoken in code. So you really have to just stick with it to figure out what why the hell 
this guy is basically on the run. And it is such a phenomenal series. It's suspense. It's action. It's drama. There are like a lot of plot twists. And it only comes out every Friday. Like you can't sit down. I mean, you can sit down and binge it on Hulu, but only up until the latest episode. Um, And there's a new episode every Friday, which I love because I feel like that really happens anymore. And it helps it helps me get a grip on my ability to sit there and binge a show as hard and quickly as I typically do. So um, highly, highly recommend The Old Man, especially if you're into Jeff Bridges, because honest to God, he has never looked better. And I I say that with all seriousness. So like I said, we saw Elvis on Sunday. I get so confused about long weekends. But yeah, saw Elvis on Sunday. And it was very good. Now, I do feel like you have to go into it understanding how Baz Luhrmann, the director, does movies. Is it Baz Luhrmann or Baz Luhrmann? Baz? I don't know. Whatever. So he directed Moulin Rouge. And he also directed Romeo and Juliet with Claire Danes and Leonardo DiCaprio. He's also directed like a hundred other things, but those are the two really big ticket ones that come to mind. And he has a very particular style when he is directing a movie and it's very frenetic. It is quick. There are a lot of jump cuts. Um, It's very artistic it's it's a little chaotic. So if you're going into Elvis thinking it's going to be like your standard biopic, that is the wrong assumption to have. I would say the first half of the movie is like I was just describing. And then in the second half, the tone changes as like Elvis gets older and his career kind of starts like falling apart And so there's a different vibe in the second half, but it's a two and a half hour movie. So very long. Um, And also, this is the last not negative thing I'll say about it, but just like one of my only other critiques is that Tom Hanks was cast wrong. Um, I feel like it's because Austin Butler, who plays Elvis, is a very new unknown name. And so maybe they felt they needed like a huge Hollywood name on the on the roster to, you know, draw people in. But his character, his character was real. And honestly, that's what kind of the movie is about is understanding that Elvis had this fine our manager who financially abused him, but no one ever really knew about it until Elvis had passed away. Um, and so it's from it's from his manager's perspective, but it's just like his manager was of Dutch descent. But if you watch videos, like if you watch interviews of him from like the 80s, he didn't have an accent. And for some reason, Tom Hanks has this really bad, nondescript European accent. And it just sounds completely inauthentic. And it's it's hard to not see him and just keep thinking, oh, that's Tom Hanks in a fat suit with a really shitty accent. Um, he just, his character just bothered me. And I just didn't, 
I didn't feel, I don't know. I just thought they could have gone a different direction. But what I have to say is that Austin Butler is phenomenal. I I mean, that was the role of a lifetime. It was the performance of a lifetime. Holy shit. I knew absolutely nothing about him. I don't, he's, he hasn't done anything. Like he was like on a Disney Channel show years and years ago. And I think he had like a small role in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood and very, very tiny things like that. But this was like some of the most incredible acting and impersonating I've ever seen. I I mean, he's a marvel. Like he just owned that movie. He owned the role. He is going to be big time. I. It's like the start of something huge for him. And he just did such a fabulous job. Um, and overall, the movie was it was so good. And it's very like I definitely think that if you are up for it, it's definitely like a movie theater movie because Elvis, which was larger than life. And also getting to see Austin Butler perform like him on a super big screen is pretty amazing. Like, I I think it's definitely worth your money and I would absolutely recommend it. I mean, it's going to be up for Oscars. Like Austin Butler might win the fucking Oscar. I know there's like so many more movies to come out up until then. Like, you know, summer movies are often forgotten about. But um, man, it was it was absolutely fabulous. And then for um, for what I'm reading, I am on the third book of the Akatar series, which stands for A Court of Thorns and Roses. I wish there was like another term for it. I feel like maybe I've heard some people refer to it as the court theories because every single book is like a court of blank and blank. So I'm on the third book, which is called A Court of Wings and Ruin, and it is fabulous. I I'm loving it. Um, I mentioned a few episodes ago how I was feeling about the beginning part of it, but I'm past that now, and I just love it. I love it so much. I I really enjoy the series, and if you were ever into Harry Potter and Game of Thrones and you like fantasy and romance and war and, you know, like magical creatures and, and lands and stuff like that, this is definitely, definitely a series that you should check out. I think there are four right now, but I'm pretty positive that she, the author, Sarah J. Moss, is going to be writing more. So yeah, so that is what I was reading all throughout the weekend. All right, let's take a quick break before we dive into part one of my advice extravaganza. Okay, guys, we are back and it's time to answer some reader slash listener advice questions. And just to remind you, I know this is the first time that I'm doing this or like the second time or whatever, but you can always write in to my email, which is TWES podcast at gmail.com with an advice question. It can be about anything. Literally nothing's off limits. You guys know this about me. I'm happy to talk about whatever. And maybe you'll get inspired from hearing some of these advice questions. Okay, so today's first advice question reads, Hey Emma, first of all, you're my favorite. I love how real you keep everything and appreciate how genuine you are. You've definitely inspired me to work more color into my wardrobe. Okay, now for the advice. 
I'm 29, turning 30 in December, and I've been single since high school. In high school, I had a year-long relationship with my first and only boyfriend, but I've never been in a relationship as an adult. In college, I didn't mind because most of my friends were in tumultuous relationships, and it made me really thankful for my freedom to do whatever I wanted. Then, after college, I had a couple long-term hookup situations and have gone on so many first dates, but I'm getting so exhausted of dating. Almost all my friends are in long-term relationships or getting married soon, and I'm starting to panic a bit. I do want a partner slash husband, and I'm trying to put myself out there on dating apps, but it's just one first date after another with either no chemistry or honest-to-God weirdos. I'm starting to spiral a bit and keep thinking, is it me? How did you cope with dating ruts and keep the faith that you find your person? Okay, well, first of all, um, thank you so much for your kind words. You're amazing. And the fact that you said that I inspire you to have more color in your wardrobe is honestly one of the highest highest compliments I've ever received. So as for your question, listen to me very closely, okay? It's not you. It's that you and whoever the guy is aren't a match, period. Like if I've learned anything during my dating career between ages 24 and roughly like 33, it's that they are not kidding when they say a true long-lasting connection is rare to come by. Like, honestly, think about it. If you're only supposed to be with one person the rest of your life, that means that 99% of every date you go on isn't going to go anywhere. And yeah, it's depressing and it's exhausting and it's beyond disheartening. I was in your shoes for years and I especially understand that panic you're talking about that settles in when you're like about to get into your 30s and you're just hopelessly single and watching all of your friends couple up and settle down. Like it is not easy to witness and it can be extremely lonely and frustrating at times. Not to mention that as women, we start feeling that biological clock go off and we start projecting into the future like, well, I want at least a few years to date them before we get engaged, but then I want two kids by 35. So that means that I have to meet them like tomorrow, get engaged in two years, maybe get married in the same year and have babies right away. Oh my God, I'm running out of time. But as the Supremes taught us, you can't hurry love. You just have to wait. One day, I promise you, it's going to click. Whoever your person is, and this is like something that I I've written about and I would tell myself over and over, whoever they are, they are out there right now. They're in existence and they're most likely feeling very similar to how you're feeling like, oh my God, I'm so tired of this shit. I'm ready to meet whoever I'm supposed to be with. I don't want to do this anymore. But they also, like with Zach, they may be with someone right now that they shouldn't be with, but they just haven't realized that yet. Or maybe they don't even live in your city at the moment, but they're going to like have a big move soon and they're gonna you know end up there so until that happens just my biggest piece of advice for you is to try and go into dating with the lowest of expectations and I'm sure they already are low but just as a reminder you've got to keep your standards high but literally lower your expectations to basically nothing and just remind yourself that it's only supposed to be this one person. And eventually, eventually, you're going to kiss enough frogs. And it will work out one day, like we don't know when it will. But you will be so glad that you waited and went through what you went through to get to that point. We cannot control 
when that happens for us and it can be incredibly frustrating and very hard to not compare yourself to all of the situations going on around you. I mean, I remember thinking with all of my dating, I remember getting to the point where I was like, I literally do not understand how two people get together and stay together because it hasn't happened for me. So like, how am I supposed to understand something that I have not experienced? And I just had to put my faith in if it can happen for all these people, why the fuck can it not happen for me? Like, what makes me so different that I'm not going to get to experience the same thing that practically everyone else does? Okay, this next advice question is shifting gears quite a bit. So this listener said, I had my friend and her sister over on Sunday for a pool day. I normally always have my friend bring her dog because her dog and my dog get along well. When they showed up, her sister had brought her dog, who was wearing a prong collar and an e-collar. In hindsight, I should have been 10,000 times more cautious at that moment. Instead, she kept the dog on its leash for the first 30 minutes or so until the dogs became more acquainted. My dog came outside from cooling down, and her dog full-on lunge bit and attacked mine. My dog ended up needing an internal and external stitches, draining for fluid, etc., The sister did end up Venmoing me for the vet bill. Apparently, this wasn't the first situation with the dog being aggressive. However, I'm still upset and shaken by the trauma and know my dog will be too for a while. I'm just feeling very ugh about the whole situation and don't know how to proceed. I love my friend and don't want to create tension or make her feel in the middle. How would you handle it? Well, first of all, I can completely understand being shaken up and upset by the situation. That's so horrible and so scary. If you've ever been around that happening between dogs or it's happened but like with your dog, it is such a scary feeling because they go full animal mode and you realize in that moment, oh, they're not my actual child. They are a beast. They're a creature and they are in attack mode and want to kill each other right now. I would say it's pretty aggravating to know that this wasn't an isolated incident. So like, Your friend's sister is clearly aware of her dog's aggression. And I don't know. I mean, I'm a pretty straightforward person. So I would just let her sister know that you're happy to have her over again. But unfortunately, she can't bring her dog. I mean, it's just too unsafe and you don't feel comfortable. I really think it's that simple. Like, you know, from what you wrote, I'm not able to decipher whether or not you're close with your friend's sister or you just sort of like let her tag along because she wants to hang out and you know you know that your friend would appreciate it but if it's the latter then your friend should have no problem telling her sister like bro like you cannot ever bring your dog over to her house again like that was really bad don't even ask don't show up with the dog but if you're close enough with the sister I would just be honest like she can't contest that and if she tries to or insists it would never happen again, you just say, sorry, but I'm not risking another incident with not just my dog, but like, what if that day there's even more dogs over? Like, I'm just, that's not happening again. I'm really sorry. It sucks, but that's the reality of it. Okay, this last question I'm going to do today is sort of a three-parter. So this girl said, how do you ask someone to be your significant other as an adult? I think the last time I asked someone to be exclusive, it was on AIM. And then she says, follow up, how do you intro a new significant other to friends when things are not super defined just yet? And then she said, 
how to make home-cooked food as appealing as takeout because cooking is fun, but after a day or two in a row, I'm over it. Thanks, girl. Appreciate you and your podcast. Um, okay, so let's start with your first question about how to ask someone to be your SO. So after many years of losing sleep about this conversation with guys I was dating, I finally learned that like most things with dating, if it has to be forced, it's not right. Understanding that the two of you are dating exclusively should be a relatively easy, almost like, well, duh, sort of topic of discussion. Um, I would say that a cute way to sort of lead into it, because like, yeah, like, Sometimes it it does come about naturally. Other times it's natural, but you kind of just have to nudge it a little bit because, you know, they might be nervous, too, about assuming. So I would say a cute way to sort of lead into it is if you met them on an app, you can basically tell them like, hey, um, I deleted Bumble just so you know. And that should naturally, hopefully, then lead into them expressing that they did the same and conclude with both of you verbally stating that you are only dating the other and aren't interested in seeing other people. That definitely worked for me many times in the past, like using the whole like, hey, just like I deleted my profile line. Another way to simplify it even more is just be and ask for what you want literally say that you are not seeing anyone else and you're not interested in seeing anyone else and um, see how they react if there is pushback or hesitation you kind of had to decide if you're okay with them maybe not being where you are quite yet or you know if you're willing to feel it out but what I will say is don't do what I did a couple relationships ago and stay with someone who for the first three months when shit is like should be honeymoon. Um, don't stay with them if they're literally refusing to define their relationship and avoid the conversation at all costs and like clam up and get really awkward about it. Because I can just tell you that's not a good sign. Um, you know, even if they ultimately very reluctantly agree, I just it's not it's not going to end well. And that is speaking from firsthand experience. Okay, honey. For the second part of your first question about how to introduce this person to your friends and family before you guys have had that talk or decided if you're putting a title on it or whatever, I would literally say, hey, this is blank. That's it. Like for self-aware and socially adjusted people, they know what it means when you introduce someone to them and you don't go out of your way to state whether they're a friend or a family member or a coworker. Like if you just give them a name with no precursor, that should do the trick. They should pick up on that. And of course, you're always going to have idiots who make it awkward by asking shit like, so you guys dating or what? But sometimes that's nice in that it kind of takes the pressure off of you one like if you are in a state where you're having anxiety about what you guys are and you haven't gotten around to that talk yet sometimes that can work as a catalyst to have that conversation um and grab grab the opportunity to do so as for cooking at home so y'all know that i freaking love to cook um 
I loved cooking for myself when I was single. And I obviously love it even more now because I get to include someone else. And so I'm not the only one enjoying my creations. Um, But, you know, some people like Zach, as he stated last week on his episode, just don't like to cook. And that doesn't mean that there's anything wrong with you. You're just not into it. Like, it's not a passion. And I completely get that. I mean, cooking all the time at home takes work and planning. And yeah, like cooking for just yourself can get really boring really fast. I also think that cooking something new every night of the week is a lot. Like, I mean, I always try and plan it. So I'm only cooking like two or three times during the week and we're eating some leftovers or, you know, there's like a special event one of the nights so you don't have to cook or eat leftovers. Um, but I would say like in terms of making the your home cooked food as appealing as takeout, I mean, really your best weapon against home cooking fatigue is finding cooks that you love, like chefs that you love and buying their cookbooks. And I I mean, that is what I rely on. Like, I love any cookbook by Skinny Taste. I know it's a horrifying name, but she's had it forever. She's been around forever. And every single thing I've ever made from her, whether it's from her website or exclusively from her cookbooks, is so good. It's healthy. It's flavorful. And it's easy. Like, they're not super complicated recipes. Um, But, you know, some of them hit different, like, there's been stuff that I made from her where Zach is like, this tastes like a fucking restaurant. I also love Define Dishes cookbooks. I'm just not as familiar. Like Skinny Taste is my go-to. So I just recently got Define Dishes Comfortable Kitchen Cookbook and I'm diving into that one. And I also love Brock Your Body on Instagram. She has a website. She doesn't have a cookbook. Um, and it, she is very much like an Instagram cook, meaning, you know, she posts her recipes and captions or, you know, creates reels of them. Um, and so I have to refer back to her Instagram a lot. Like I save basically every single food thing that she posts. Everything I made from her has been so good. And a lot of her stuff has be- like entered our weekly rotation. So I really think like all this to say, I think it's about finding easy, uncomplicated recipe recipes from approachable cooks. And Skinny Taste, Define Dish, and Brock Your Body are some of my favorites for that. Um, I know people are super high on Half-Baked Harvest. I just feel like her recipes are the most. And that's great for every now and again. But in terms of not wanting to like slave over this meal in the kitchen, especially if you're just cooking for yourself, I feel like her recipes are like special occasion recipes or that's how I view them anyway. Another thing to keep in mind with home cooking is I heard this on a podcast once from a chef and like I guess I guess my general answer for all of this is keeping it as simple as possible but super flavorful and this chef I heard him say that when it comes to recipes what makes a dish so good is not like adding all of this shit and making it really complicated it's literally buying the best quality ingredients like the best 
tomato, like the freshest romaine lettuce, um, you know, the super organic, um, fresh, you know, ground turkey. Like it's it's spending the money on super high quality ingredients and only having to use like five ingredients to create a dish. And I love that approach. That is for sure how skinny tastes approach things. And I really feel like Brock Your Body does the same. It's like not a bunch of complicated bullshit. It's just really good food. And you just have to put in the work of finding the best quality ingredients. Okay, you guys, that wraps up part one of my advice extravaganza. I have like three or four more advice questions that I'm going to answer next week. And obviously, in the meantime, if you have a question you want to send in and get my totally um, unfiltered uh, response on, please feel free. Again, that email is twespodcast at gmail.com. And what else? Any more housekeeping? I don't think so. Um, Still have no fucking idea why I started a private Facebook group for the podcast. I don't know what I'm doing with it. I, I, I don't even know what you guys would want to see on it. Maybe I need to post in the group and ask you guys that. Like, how should we utilize this? How should we use this private space to all of our advantages? Um, And yeah, so... That concludes today's episode. Thank you so much for listening. Um, Rate, review on Apple and Spotify. If you're feeling extra saucy, uh, share it on your Instagram stories. That I don't think anyone, I think like three people have ever done that. Um, And it's really lovely when that happens. And I will talk at you guys next week. Bye. (laughs)